This is Josh Bernstein, a freelance journalist and author, and you're listening to the Fear Mighty Things podcast. Today on the podcast, we hear from Kyle Reiner from Arthur Hall Insurance, and we dig into craft brewery insurance planning. It's getting to be that time of year where you're going to want to look at your insurance coverages in place, make sure you've got everything squared away. So we'll talk about the coverages that are often missed. You know, a brewery insurance is a little quirky. We're selling alcohol. We've got liability in that regard. And not every insurance company or agent out there is dialed into your specific needs. Kyle specializes in craft brewery insurance, so he's got a lot of great tips to share. We talk about the main drivers of insurance costs, notably sales and payroll. And Kyle has some great ideas on how you could use this knowledge to save some money on your insurance premiums. We'll also talk about the latest trends that are going on out there, inflation, what to do about increasing material costs and so forth, and ADA-compliant websites. This is a new thing that has popped up, and you may want to listen in. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Kyle Reiner from Arthur Hall Insurance. Kyle, welcome back to the podcast, my man. Kerry, what's going on, man? Hey, it is great to have you back. I know we connected recently at the CBB Connects uh, event that Andrew Copeland put on. It was great to see you in person, meet you in person after so much uh, Zoom time, right? It's funny though. Yeah. It's like, I feel like we've known each other for a while. We've connected a bunch. And then when you get to meet in person, you realize like, oh, we actually actually have never met in person, but I feel like we did. So uh, dude, it was terrific. I loved it. I had a blast. It was great to just be with the group. Um, you know, just we're blessed to have this industry, you know, everyone gets along or it's fun, you know, Absolutely. talking about beer. Absolutely. So we'll put a link to our first podcast episode for people to check that out. And I encourage them to do so. Uh, but for those who haven't listened to that first, why don't you give folks a little background on you and your business and what you're doing? Sure. Uh, I am Kyle Reiner. I'm a certified insurance counselor. It's kind of like, uh, you know, an accountant going to become a CPA, right? Take the additional classes uh, over a couple of years and, and get that designation. Uh, but first and foremost, I'm a craft beverage enthusiast, um, and I've kind of taken my passion uh, forward to become the insurance specialist for craft beverage makers in the U.S. Um, my team and I work with over 150 beverage makers in the U.S., so breweries, distilleries, cider, mead. Um, you know, this is this is where we spend our time. Um, we've created a great process, and we we have an awesome team. Um, so, you know, based out of Southeast Pennsylvania, we have two locations, 40 employees, uh, fairly decent size insurance agency. Um, in addition, uh, so I've been doing this over 10 years and uh, I also host the Beer Mighty Things podcast and uh, you can find Carrie on that as well. And uh, hey, just happy to be alive, happy to have the opportunity to talk about beer and spirits and, um, you know, freaking out about my beloved Phillies as we enter uh, the, the baseball playoffs. So baseball, I'm a Red Sox fan myself and these are, these are, these are dark times for us. Last place yeah. In our division, and are you really? Yeah, yeah. I don't get to see much, you know, uh, American League baseball, so I never know kind of what's going on over there. That's usually what happens. You're either one, you're either National League or American League. I've I've always been a Sox fan and kind of ridden the highs and lows, and we're in a we're in a low spot right now. But that's kind of rare. It's rare. It's rare. You know, they're doing some weird things. I don't know what to make of it, but. I still watch the games. It's still fun, but it's, you know, winning's more fun. So of course, yeah, there's nothing worse than, you know, watching 160 crappy baseball games. <laughs> that is true. 
<laughs> so we're going to talk about insurance today. I know for most folks, it's not the most scintillating topic, but it is an important one, right? We have we have risks in our business. We need to mitigate those however we can. We have costs to buy this insurance and we want to understand like, well, what are those costs and what are the drivers of those? And, you know, we're always looking for ways to either, you know, kind of get our hands around it and reduce them. So I think part of it is understanding, all right, what do you need for insurance? What's it cost? And ultimately, what are the things you can do to kind of control those costs where possible? Um, so we're heading into the fourth quarter, recording this in September of 2022. Um, and it's a good time, I think, for people to review coverages and plan for their upcoming renewals, provided they're, you know, renewing in Q4 or year end. So, you know, I know one of the things you recommend is to call your agent and see how you're trending based on predictions, you know, sales and payroll. So tell us, tell us why this is important and maybe some other things people should be thinking about as we start to plan for renewals. Yeah. So it, the majority of insurance renewals and the beverage industry is a little different, but a lot like the most common insurance renewal is January 1st and then also uh, July 1st. Um, but with breweries, it's kind of when you started, right? And you have the opportunity to change that if it's kind of falling in a busy season for you. And I know that's been, uh, you know, kind of annoying for some of my folks where it's like, hey, we got to do a renewal or we got to do an audit. And they're like, this is our busy season. Like we're, we don't have the bandwidth to sit and do that, right? So, you know, we can, you can kind of change those. You can extend your policy to get to the date that you want it to, um, things like that. But, you know, really, I think, you know, right now at year end, um, it's important to take inventory. And that's not just like the physical inventory of your beer and raw materials, although, you know, you probably have to, you know, provide that for your accountant, but take inventory of your business overall, your staff, your health and well-being. Um, you know, do it now, September, October versus getting to November, December when you're doing events and it's chaotic and people are taking off and traveling or whatever. So, you know, kind of check in, um, check the check the temperature of your team and, you know, see if, if again, coming back to those projections, like where are we, right? Um, why or why not? Why did we hit our goals? Why are we behind on our goals? And, uh, you know, I just think it's always important to check in uh, personally and on the business. So um, do it now. But yeah, call your agent. Um, your agent should be calling you. You know, we have a system as to when we call our clients. Um, but call your agent if they're not calling you. Check in and let them know, you know, uh, do you have any purchases coming up? You know, your insurance policies are based on sales and payroll and figures, right? As a manufacturing company, you're based on the beer you produce. And then you're also based on whether it's consumed on premises or whether it's going out the door. Um, and insurance policies have those rated at completely different rates, right? Beer going out the door is probably like 14 cents per every hundred dollars of sales. And your um, beer that's consumed on premises is, you know, we'll call it $14 per every hundred dollars of sales. So drastically different rates, um, make sure that it would kind of make it easy for you. If you can, you know, if a beer is sold, a four pack goes out the door, you don't want that getting lumped into the draft sales, right? You know, especially when it comes to the audits and your pricing um, and, you know, an experienced agent will help you kind of guide that and make sure that stuff um, is classified correctly. But again, coming back to being a manufacturer, if you're making screwdrivers, if you're making rubbers, plastics, whatever it is, you're you're rated on sales, right? So, um, we in this, this beverage industry, it's unique in that it's almost multiple businesses, right? You're, 
you're a manufacturer, but then you're also, you know, a bar or a hospitality restaurant kind of service, right? So um, a lot of these things, it, you know, they mix and match and we have a liquor liability, right? If I'm making screwdrivers, I don't have a liquor liability. Um, you know, I have products liability and if the thing breaks or somebody gets hurt, that's what you got, but no one's, uh, you know, driving in their screwdriver down the street and, and causing car accidents. So uh, that's where these things, again, you want to tailor them. So coming back to your sales, when you have an insurance policy, it's based on the next 12 months of estimates. And obviously, as you are in business longer, you're getting better at projecting those. I This year, you know, a lot of the breweries that I work with are kind of in that year six, seven, eight, and they started to dial in their sales. And they're like, oh, we know this is what we have. All right. Yeah, this is where we ended up. Right. So we get audits, right? Sales and payroll are audited. So your projections in the beginning of the year and then where you ended up at the end of the year, right? So they're estimates and then they get firmed up by the audit. So if you said, hey, we're going to do 4 million in sales and you do 7 million in sales, well, your policy was based on four, you get audited, now you owe for the other three. And that three can be a lump sum payment probably due in 30 days. And now you got to figure out your cash flow. You got to figure out your employees and payroll. Um, so that can really hamper you. So we have checks that are throughout the year to, you know, we can, we can adjust those figures during the year. Um, if you're, if you're trending higher or lower, let's make that change. If you're, if you're doing less than what's projected, well, we can um, push that down and adjust it to again, free up some capital and you'll have that cash flow. Um, or, if we need to bump up the sales figures to again, kind of budget for that future lump sum that you might owe, you can change that now and then spread out that, that results in an increase in premium. And you can spread that over the remaining installments on your policy, right? Again, all cash flow, right? My goal as an insurance agent is one to protect you and two, make your insurance policy and costs predictable, right? We don't like surprises. I don't like surprises. Um, I don't like people getting mad at me because they got a surprise. So, so uh, I've kind of over the 10 years kind of figured out a way to stay in touch, to keep these things in check. And um, it's really, again, when you can make things predictable, it it eases your mind, right? Um, we want to create that peace of mind. And um, it's just good to check in. I'd so often we like, hey, we're buying this. Hey, we're moving into this location. Um, hey, we sold this. Hey, we're getting a vehicle today, you know. Um, the you know underwriters and whatnot have to physically touch this, right? They're people. It's not Geico, so we do need a heads up on these things, and um, it's just you know it's important to, to stay in touch. Mm. So that's kind of that's kind of that from a, you know check in standpoint. Um, what do you think about that? I think that's awesome. I'm going to go back and underscore three things you said. That I think. Could be good takeaways for people that maybe they don't hear often or often enough. One, just from a logistical standpoint, you know, as you said, the renewals typically fall Jan one or July one, right? Um, but but I'm going to say this, and I'm going to I'm going to clarify it with you. If uh, in July one is obviously not the best time for you know seasonal businesses to be doing this stuff, and frankly, Jan one might not either be either because right. you know. Everything happens at year end. We got the holidays, et cetera. People are jamming in vacations. Um, so is it possible for a brewery to proactively maybe come to you and say, you know, could we do, here's what would work great. Could we do like a uh, uh, an October 1st renewal? 
Yep. Uh, is something like that possible? And, and if it is, how would they go about just communicate and, and set it up? Yeah. So what you would do is say, say you want an October 1st renewal, but your policy say is a, a July 1st to July 1st. Well, what you can do is instead of that July 1st to July 1st, which is a 12 month policy, you can do a 15 month policy, right? So you'll spread it out um, to uh, July 1st of 2022 to October 1st, 23, and then moving. So that'd be 15 months. And then moving forward, it'll go October to October. So you have that opportunity. You do want to ask in advance. Um, it's good to try to plan for that. Sometimes they'll say, yes, we can do it, but we do need to wait until renewal comes up and then we can extend it and then get you on to that plan. Um, and that's good. It could be good too, right? If there's a rate change coming like in July of next year and you can actually keep that rate through October uh, for that 15 month policy that can help you out as well. But yeah, it's again, communication, but yeah, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to ask. Um, you, you're rarely going to get that. Hey, can we do a three month policy right from July to October and then do a, a 12 month? Um, it's usually, Hey, we'll extend what you currently have. And then we'll go from there. 12 months uh, moving forward. Workers' comp gets a little tricky. Um, every state's a little different, but workers' comp is tied to the Department of Labor. Um, and the Department of Labor has these anniversary dates. So, and you have an experience mod, which is almost the, you know, the multiplier of how safe you are. Um, the Department of Labor doesn't really love for you to mess around with those dates. Um, the other part of your insurance policy is all right, you have that 12 month period and then you get the audit. That audit is typically within 90 days of your policy ending. So say your policy did end July 1st, you're going to get an audit um, email sometime between July and October and you got to complete it. Right. Um, Uncle Sam, Department of Labor, they're going to want their money. Um, again, this is all based on projections. So they try to firm it up firm it up. It helps the insurance company and the actuaries determine if we're collecting enough premium for the risks that we're insuring because they do have to have a specific amount of reserves in the background in the event that you know there's these large catastrophic claims, be it hurricanes or be it large injuries. Um, so there's all sorts of things that come into account for this. They're not just you know trying to bug you and uh, make you do audits for the heck of it. So there's, it's a lot. Um, Again, and you're right in the middle of busy season, but yes, again, the, the long and short of it is uh, plan ahead and just ask. You just, you don't know. There are no stupid questions in this situation. Um, and, and if your insurance agent has a really good relationship with the underwriters, the insurance carriers, uh, you know, they'll, they'll typically work with you. Um, but again, it comes down to communication. Yeah, that's a good one because some people might not even know that's an option. So correct. Yes, I've had folks say, hey, we didn't realize that we could add vehicles during the year. We didn't know that we could change sales and payroll during the year. Um, and that's what we did for a lot of our clients during COVID. Hey, we're shut down. Okay, uh, let's reduce your sales figures because you're you're going to have a lull, right? Instead of this 12-month figure, you might now only hit the three-month mark. And so adjust your sales down so that you can hit the cash flow because uh, you don't have money coming in, right? And then your payroll is lower too. So we you're able to tweak that stuff. And we did that for a lot of our clients, uh, you know, during COVID. Mm, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, <clears throat> it works both ways, right? If a brewery is growing really fast, sales, adding payroll throughout the year, you know, that's a driver of those costs. Yep, and as yep. you said, <clears throat> the audit comes in and, hey, there's a huge bill. Nobody wants that. So nope. I think that's a good point just to recognize <clears throat> what are the and that audit 
Yeah. And that audit a lot of time is due all at once, right? Lump sum within the next 30 days. If it's large enough, they'll work with you. Um, it, but it, yeah, it gets hairy. And then all of a sudden you get installments for the audit you're getting installments for your regular policy and it's a lot of confusion. Um, so yeah, it can be, be a headache. The, the other thing I want to underscore was for folks, um, who are reporting sales, right? You say you got to uh, estimate your sales. Now, if you've got, as you said, off-premise, so to-go beer, mm-hmm. um, and you're kind of lumping it all in with your on-premise sales, you could be you could be really doing yourself a disservice. That's that's amazing. So you're you paying said 14, it's, 14 times what you should be, you know? It's, it's incredible, yeah. So yeah, to, if you had like, all right, we did a million in sales, but really 250 was on-premises, 750 went out the door. I mean, that, you should be paying a fraction of, of what might be showing, you know? Yeah. So that's categorizing. There's a category for each of those things on the general liability and liquor liability policies that, you know, it's super important to, to break them out, Um, set up your toast, set up your POS system to make it easy to break that stuff out. You know? Absolutely. Cool. So break, break out your sales, check in throughout the course of the year if changes are occurring. And if it makes sense, you can change your renewal period to a time that's a little, a little easier. So those are great, great takeaways. I think for folks. Good. So let's talk about we're in a crazy time here with inflation, are we not? I yes. mean, this is this is this is absolutely bananas. So, you know, we got increasing material costs and property values are going up. So let's let's talk a bit about that replacement cost. Maybe take us through that ACV. You can tell us what that sure. stands for, that little acronym. Yeah. Well, so there are multiple ways to value your stuff under the roof, right? Your equipment, your your um Tables, chairs, glassware, right? If we turned your building upside down, everything that fell out, right? That's your business personal property. Um, sometimes you can get your bolted equipment, right? Your your tanks and whatnot um, listed as equipment or listed as building coverage. Um, typically, you need to own the building. But if you can get them, you know, they're probably not bolted to the floor, but they're, no one's picking them up and moving them. That's for sure. You know, no one's stealing them. Um, so building coverage could have a lesser rate because it can't be stolen, right? It, there's no theft. Um, but there, there's various ways to value your stuff. Um, so ACV is kind of the what you definitely don't want, but that is actual cash value. So purchase price minus depreciation is the value, right? And that's what you'll get a check for. So then you want to go buy that stuff again. The check doesn't even get you to, to what you wanted, right? It doesn't replace it. Now, um, replacement cost is, is very common. That's what you're going to see a lot of times on the policy. I do my best to not use this valuation. Um, but replacement cost is, Hey, if we had to buy this stuff new in the marketplace, here's what it would be, right? We're going to cut a check minus your deductible. However, with this comes a calculation, right? If you have a claim, there is a formula that an adjuster is going to, um, use. And basically what that says is, um, you should have carried this amount on your policy, right? There's coinsurance. There's a clause. It'll say 80%, 90%, 100%. You know, here's what you should have carried. Here's what you did carry. They divide those two. They multiply it times the claim amount. And then you get a dollar amount. And that dollar amount, if you don't carry enough insurance, you know, you might think, hey, I'm going to get a check for 100 grand and you get a check for 30 because you're penalized by 70% because you didn't carry the right amount of coverage on your policy. And this is kind of that, you know, 
people buy a million dollars worth of stuff, but only want to insure a hundred thousand of it, right? And think that they're paying less and getting away with that. This is the way to say, mm, uh, you know, we're not going to we're not going to pay that out, right? We're not going to cut you a check for nine hundred grand or, or whatever it is because you just you didn't carry the right amount. We didn't collect enough premium for it, um, and there's a penalty. So, I don't like replacement cost. Um, I do my best to avoid it. And what we like to do, again, coming back to the, you know, the, the classes that we take are agreed value. Agreed value means, all right, I agree that we have $600,000 of stuff under this roof. The insurance company agrees that we have $600,000 of stuff under the roof. Coinsurance is waived and that calculation disappears. So at claim time, here's a check minus your deductible. Um, we're done. Um, Another tip too, if you own the building and you're also the tenant and be it two different policies, maybe, or two different entities, right? You have a holding company uh, and you have the, the brewery. Um, you can, what, what I like to do is have the insurance on the building with the same carrier as the brewery tenant. So if there's some sort of claim, some sort of damage, some sort of fire, you have one insurance company on the building and the brewery, and they cut a check. There's no finger pointing. There's no saying, hey, uh, we're, you know, company A is insuring this, company B is insuring this, and then they're finger pointing. It takes longer and they got to figure it out. If you can put the building insurance with the tenant insurance, that, that conversation kind of goes away and they cut a check, right? Um, so, same thing with uh, general liability and auto insurance. Um, there's a point where each of them start and stop. And if they are with two different insurance companies, you may have that gap in between where that keg, um, one might say, all right, general liability uh, stops when this gets on the vehicle um, and starts when the product is at its final resting place. The auto might say, um, we're going to stop here, right? And while you're carrying that keg across the street to its final resting place, there's no coverage when you hit that lady and knock her over on the sidewalk, right? So... There's, there's gaps. So we'd like to keep the insurance, if you can, general liability and auto and building and contents with the same carriers, if you can, again, to kind of fill in those gray areas. The, mm -hmm. you know, you're probably not reading the 400-page policy because it's not all that exciting, but um, I've read them. And you know, those, are, those are just some, some easy tips that you can, you can do. You know, it, may be, it may be slightly more costly, like maybe a couple hundred bucks. And you're like, well, I can save a couple hundred bucks. Or you can, you know, pay a couple hundred bucks and remove some headaches and, and remove some gray area. Mm, gotcha. Interesting. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sorry, you mentioned the, the inflation, right? So mm -hmm. cost of materials, labor, um, debris removal, all of these things, those labor, all the, all these costs, they've gone up. So what you should be doing, right? You know, your, your building might've been worth 750 grand. Well, now to replace it, it might cost you 825. So these are, things that you want to take into account. A lot of insurance policies at renewal will increase your property values by, you know, two or 4%. You know, take a look, you know, what are, what are buildings right now uh, going for in your area per square foot, right? Do the math. Maybe we do need to increase it a little bit um, in the event something happens. Again, the insurance costs are nominal and the coverage goes up greatly. So um, yeah, just all of those things factor into cost of materials and again, timelines and shipping and freight and all that stuff. Uh, so, you know, it's good to increase. You might have an increase of 2% on your premiums, but you might've been able to increase your uh, building coverage or contents coverage by five or 6%. Uh, 
um, to, to, again, accommodate for some of these, uh, you know, economic issues that we have going on. Gotcha. So, so relative to sort of the coverage and the valuation, just to recap, we got three, three main ways that it's valued. So actual cash value, purchase, which is purchase price minus depreciation. Mm-hmm. We got replacement cost, which comes with uh, various calculations, uh, coinsurance, as you said, and potential and, penalties. Yep. And potential. And then the last one is agreed value. So is it your, your recommendation? Probably depends on, you know, you'd have a conversation, but agreed value sounds like the one to go with. Yeah. And it's not always offered, right? It depends on your location. It depends on the insurance carrier too. Um, so that's always, but that's always my goal. My goal is to suspend coinsurance if, if possible. Um, again, eliminate the confusion, eliminate the calculation, and hopefully get what you expect, what you agree on. There's another thing called um, like stated amount or agreed amount. That is different than agreed value. Also, I would you know, kind of shift away from that. Um, doesn't come into play as much. There's there's different scenarios for that, but agreed value is is the choice. Okay. All right. So let's shift and talk about um, CO2. A lot of shortages out there. A lot of people uh, <clears throat> running out of CO2 and it's becoming yeah. a real problem. Uh, tell us about this from an insurance perspective. It, it, it is a claim. It's not a claim. Um, how, how, are fo- how should folks look at this? Yeah, so I haven't done too much digging into CO2. I will be having an episode um, with some experts here on my podcast coming up. So, so stay tuned for that. Um, typically, be it CO2 or kind of along the supply chain, um, there's those gray areas, right? Not being able to get CO2 is probably not an insurance claim. Um, Not being able to get yeast or hops, probably not an insurance claim. Um, With insurance claims, it always comes down to what happened first. What was the proximate cause? Why can't we get this, right? If it was the building of your supplier caught on fire and you can't get grain, malt, hops, CO2, that place burned down, there's physical damage to your supplier, now you might have coverage there because that was a physical damage to a dependent property. Um, but not being able to get CO2 is not a claim. There was no damage. There was no occurrence that would trigger the coverage. It was just, you know, it wasn't available. Um, so, yeah, that's it's tricky, but it's probably not an insurance claim. Same thing with a distributor who buys too much of your beer and can't sell it. And now it's out of code and wants to say, hey, this is a recall. It's not a recall. They overbought. That's their fault. Um, there was no damage. That is not an insurance claim. Damage and injury are typically the things that will trigger an insurance claim from a property or general liability standpoint. Um, and also coming back to like COVID with business interruption, business income coverage, uh, COVID was not considered for the most part a claim that was uh, triggering the business income because there was no physical damage to your covered property at your described premises. So again, it was up in the air. It was, you know, a, a virus, uh, that sort of thing. It wasn't a physical damage. So that's why it didn't trigger that coverage. So yeah, there's, there's situations. And again, this is why we need to talk about it. Um, plan, plan it. Um, you have that bullwhip effect. I've talked about a few times on my podcast is, you know, the economic term for you're holding like a whip in your hand, right? Right at your hand. The, the whip is not moving a lot, right? But down the line, it starts to move up and down greatly. And that's what happens when we have these scenarios where, you know, we buy a lot of stuff um, and then it disappears, right? Then you can't get it. Supply and demand, inflation, um, 
those things. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can't get it. So you buy a lot of it and then things uh, even themselves out. And now you have too much on hand, right? So there's, there's that, it's called the bullwhip effect. And it's, it's an interesting concept uh, of economics to, to pay attention to. But again, you know, you can prepare for those things. Um, I think zero-based accounting too, something like that is something to, again, you, you kind of buy ahead of the curve. Um, if you see something running out, again, if you, if you bought a lot of CO2 thinking, Hey, we're going to run out of CO2, that would be great. Right. But we don't always know, uh, what's coming down, um, the, you know, in the future. So, uh, yeah, again, not being able to get a product is probably not a claim, but if there was damage to your supplier, um, or damage to the freight that was delivering it. Um, I've had claims where uh, seven barrel tanks were being delivered to a brewery and the 18 wheeler stopped on train tracks at one in the morning and a train smashed into the, tr- into the, 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 the truck, the trailer and the tanks were damaged. So we were able to file that claim. There was physical damage, um, get all new tanks took a while. This was during COVID Um but we were able to, you know, file that claim, get that paid. Tanks took a little while to receive because they weren't available. But, um, you know, the brewery had other tanks they were able to operate. But these are just silly things that you have to um, prep for. But, like, that was damaged to – it wasn't the manufacturer of the tanks, but it was the folks delivering the tanks. So that freight company, um, you know, their insurance essentially, you know, paid out for us, right? We filed the claim. When we paid it out, we ended up going back to get our money from the folks who, who were damaged. Um, it all worked out, but you know, and that's something you can't complain for either. And Hey, don't stop your truck on train tracks. I don't care what time of day it is or where you are in the country. It's, but you know, when you get a call at 7am on a Friday morning from a brewery, you're like, oh, I, gotta, I gotta pick this up. Something's not right. So those are just some of the things we see. Yeah, there's a, there's so much that's not within our control out there. But, I, you know, I think one of the things that is within our control, you know, under the umbrella of mitigating risk is this thing called the certificate of insurance and working with yeah. outside vendors that come in. Yep. Because we do have people that will come in, food trucks and musicians and so forth. Tell us a little bit about certificate of insurance, what this is, yeah. and how breweries can use this really as a best practice to mitigate their, their insurance risk. Yeah, I even do this like if I have – you know, like true green coming to spray my lawn, right? Um, if somebody's stepping on your property to do a service or show up and do something at your location, again, a musician's going to play music, um, a yoga instructor is going to come lead a group, um, food trucks, musicians, right? So they're going to come to your location. You want to make sure that they have insurance, right? That they have general liability insurance at the very least, which means bodily injury, or property damage to others. If they cause that bodily injury or property damage to others, you want their insurance to kick in, not yours, right? There's no reason for you to be uh, stepping up for them. Um, so ask them, just like you show up to, you know, you want to do a beer festival and the uh, organizers are saying, all right, Carrie, can you provide your certificate of insurance um, for a festival? Again, it's, it's kind of a CYA, right? Cover your ass. And, you know, name them, you know, have them name you as additional insured on their policy. Sometimes if they have wonky coverage, it might cost a hundred bucks for them to do it. That's also a flag to go, hey, uh, maybe we need to relook at what other insurance options are out there. Um, You shouldn't really be paying for certificates of insurance unless there's some special verbiage in there. But um, 
It shouldn't have to happen. So you can have these, uh, you know, the yoga instructor um, or other volunteers, right? Sign waivers. Hey, if something were to happen here, it is not uh, the brewery's fault. Um, you know, you are assuming liability. And um, what happens is like with a musician or if you paid the yoga person, they too can show up like those that that could be revenue that can be paid out um, that can show up on audits. Right. So be it a W9, W2, 1099 um, that you pay that you send out like those are just tax tax terms, right? Tax numbers. Um, but in the scope of work, these folks can be considered employees and, and picked up on your payroll on your workers' comp audit. So when you collect a certificate of insurance from them that says, hey, we have insurance, um, we have workers' comp insurance, um, or we are a sole member of an LLC and we are not required to carry workers' compensation insurance, then the auditor can exclude their payroll, um, exclude them from your audit, and you won't get charged for them. So it's it's one to make sure that they have coverage and mitigate the risk and, and make sure that your patrons are safe. But two, also, um, you don't want them getting picked up on your audit, right? You don't want to pay them for showing up and then pay for them as employees payroll on your audits. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, just a standard best practice. Yeah, if you're hiring people, get a W-9 so that yep. you know who they are and what their yeah. tax ID is and you can send them that 1099 to your point and then also get that certificate of insurance. And we want to do these things before we actually hire them. Hey, as a condition of payment, you know, we need these things. That tends to get people's attention because we're often like, oh, I got to get the certificate. They already did the event. No, 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 you got to get this before. So what we've had some success with that is that as a condition of actually paying you, these documents need to be in hand. Otherwise, we're not going to pay you. So that, that gets people's attention and everybody's kind of covered. So. Yeah. And I, and I sound, it sounds like, you know, oftentimes the breweries are kind of like not excited to ask for it, I guess a little uncomfortable in doing so. I don't know if they think now, like, all right, finally got a food truck that's going to show up and now I'm going to ask them for their insurance and they don't have it or they're not going to show up. But yeah, well, I mean, if they show up, they don't have insurance and they injure somebody, well now, you know, who, who's all getting named in the lawsuit? Who's, you know, that, that patron is going to name everybody involved. And, and that could be you. That can also be your landlord. That can be the food truck. Um, you're running a business, right? We got to protect it. So these risks can come from all sorts of places. And there's always these sort of trends that'll come in, things that are riskier than others. I know one of the things that you brought up is ADA compliant websites. Um, tell us a bit about this and why people need to know that. So this is uh, fairly new. Um, I have one of my clients is not a beverage manufacturer. Um, it's a food manufacturer and they have an online store. So we had received a letter that said, um, your website is not ADA compliant. My blind, um, you know, client or, you know, whatever the attorney would call them. Um, my client is blind and my client could not order your product on your website because it didn't speak to them. Right. And so my client receives paperwork. We talk about it. Um, we didn't have the coverage because this falls into a more robust employment practices, liability policy. This is coverage B. A lot of times, you know, we, we add on the coverage for our employees coming to our, uh, you know, 
employee versus employer situation, sexual harassment, wrongful termination, retaliation, discrimination, uh, failure to hire, failure to promote, furloughed me first, right? Those are all employer or employee versus employer. Um, But then coverage B, if you, you know, you really want to get that separate policy that has, you know, multiple coverage parts, right? A, B um, versus just A. So the coverage B is third party. And in this scenario, you know, a lot of folks turn it down because it costs money, right? Um, It's not required. It's optional, but it's recommended. So the way that this is, you know, seeming to turn out is these are $100,000 to fight in court or $20,000, $30,000 to settle. And what we found out when we looked up this attorney and this and the same, um, I guess, plaintiff, uh, they had filed 750 of these in two weeks to 750 different online stores. Um, the math is something like $22 million if, if they get $30,000 from 750 people. So it's a loophole. It's frivolous. Um, I'm hoping that there's a judge that's going, uh, you know, you should be in jail versus, you know, uh, these folks. Um, but yeah, that's a classic third party discrimination claim. And, um, yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's just like folks who, you know, maybe there's not a handicap ramp or maybe the bar isn't a certain height for a wheelchair and things like that. So this is that, you know, uh, discrimination towards others, be it on purpose or not. Um, but these are the insurance claims that are flying around. It seems like low hanging fruit. And what I've kind of learned, I don't know if it's as easy as this, but like a Shopify, they might have just a button um, or your web developer that says, click this button and it makes it ADA compliant. Um, now, you know, the folks who, who, you know, are maybe blind have software on their computers where the, it reads the text to you. It, it can help guide them on the website. Um, and they can talk back and forth and, and place their orders that way. So ask about that. Um, I, I doubt most breweries have twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to just settle on something. Uh, the cost of that policy is probably, we'll call it two grand a year, um, for the more robust employment practices policy. So yeah, that's just some of the, some of the things that, you know, blindside you on a, some little Tuesday that you're not ready for, you know? So if you're, you're looking at, I mean, you've got 150, not breweries, but, you know, beverage specific, alcohol specific clients. Um, what are the coverages if you're, if you're taking on a new client and you're kind of reviewing what their existing policies and coverages are, what do you see as coverages that are most often missed? Like if you're going through and you're like, oh boy, we're missing this, we're missing that. Are there any themes, anything that people should be like aware of particularly? Because what I see is a, is a lot of insurance companies, they don't specialize in the beer yep. business. They may not be dialed into. So what do you see in that regard? Anything come to mind? Well, what, I can look at the insurance carrier, right? There's really like six, seven insurance carriers that have specific craft beverage programs, right? There's coverages that are specific, um, you know, more, more about like leakage and collapse of tanks, um, key employee kind of built in life insurance policies, replacement, um, coverage for, if you cannot get water to your building and you need to still produce product. And so those are some of the coverages, but also what I, again, I'll look at the carrier and say, all right, um, they don't do that, right? I know whether or not they offer this program. Um, I can look at 
if, if you have, if you're finding a policy or of taxes and fees, you're probably not in the right realm at all. Um, you're in the secondary market. Um, I've had one recently came, they're paying, you know, say $1,500 in taxes and fees and a finance charge. And, you know, kind of for what, um, you don't, you know, I could wipe that out in 30 seconds and save you a hundred bucks a month. Um, the other thing is I can look at a deductible on your business income policy, your coverage there, and tell you whether or not your insurance agent understands your business. Um, the deductibles for a business income coverage, they're not dollar amounts. It's a time waiting period. So, you know, the standard is a three-day wait. Well, if you're closed Thursday, Friday, Saturday, due to a covered claim and you want to recoup that income, but you have a three-day waiting period, you get $0 for reimbursement. Um, so I tweak that, right? So we tweak these coverages. We make them fit for you. Um, you know, with the tweaks uh, could come a slight increase in costs, but you know, what I would say is take your, take your insurance premiums and look at your sales figures. Roughly what I've found is like the benchmark, your insurance premium should be between two and two and a half percent of your sales figures. Um, if you're paying taxes and fees, you got something that's not great. Um, if you don't have the specific coverages for, for the beverage industry, um, you know, you can do better. And, um, if your deductibles are wonky, they can be improved. And, um, yeah, there's just, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, it's not one size fits all. Um, even just like me, I can't really wear a button down shirt off the shelf, right? I got medium body, medium blank sleeves and an extra large neck. <laughs> it's like, I can't just, I can't put a tie on a medium shirt because I can't button top, button. so, uh, not everything off the rack is, you know, just even if it is a brewery specific program, um, it still may, you know, it's general, right? You can still tweak it to make it respond better uh, when you need. Um, in addition, we talked about that cyber, we, or, you know, we didn't talk about cyber, but cyber awareness, right? Phishing scams. You probably don't have these coverages on your policy. A lot of this stuff is excluded because it's better covered elsewhere, meaning there's a separate policy out there. Same with that employment practices. You can tack on that coverage A for first party, but if you want that third party, that discrimination to others outside of your organization, if you want that coverage, you need to buy a separate policy for it. Um, flood insurance. You don't need to be in a flood zone to buy flood insurance. Flood is always going to be excluded uh, because it's better covered with a separate flood policy. That's a whole different animal, whole different story um, for another day. Directors and officers, if you have a board of directors, if you have uh, folks who are handling money, uh, making decisions on behalf of the business, um, if you are negotiating contracts with contract brewers um, and vice versa, you know, if, if you don't fulfill the allotment that the contract says, or if they don't fulfill the allotment, that's a breach of contract. That is not a physical damage to your, to your property, right? To trigger that coverage. This is something that's kind of intangible. It's a breach. Therefore, the way to cover that or an embezzlement of funds, a, a way to cover that is with a separate directors and officers policy. Um, Key man life insurance. So these are all recommended and optional, but again, recommended and they exist. I always want to make sure that my clients know they exist and know, you know, a ballpark cost so that they know they're there. If they want to buy it, they can buy it. If not, they need to understand these are the scenarios that wouldn't be covered, right? Um, I know a lot of times, you know, folks will come to me and I'll say, well, what's the problem? I'll say, well, we're paying too much. I'll say, well, compared to what? And what do you have? Um, yeah, if you're paying four or 5%, 
of your sales figures, you're, something's probably wrong, right? We can tweak that. We can improve the coverage. Um, but yeah, there's kind of that benchmark. I can look at a few things and say, hey, this person knows what they're doing or they don't. Um, and there's nothing bad about insurance agents out there. But again, as I mentioned, this is a it, you're kind of a three-headed monster. Your hospitality, your liquor, and your manufacturing, your bar. Like you have multiple, um, you have a front of back of house that are different. Um, everybody does different things. Um, I have insurance agents that come to me and say, hey, my, I've had this client. They are a home and auto client of mine for 20 years. He's retiring. He's going to open a brewery. I don't know what to do. Can you help him? You know, I'm not comfortable insuring this. Looks like this is what you do. Um, can you help them out? Absolutely. Right. Um, so we've done deals with that with other agencies. Um, but yeah, not everything's one size fits all. And not every insurance agent, if you don't specialize in something, whatever, like I don't specialize in scaffolding um, contractors. Like I don't know what to ask for. So I'm probably going to stay away from it and find somebody who does that and recommend that person go there. Um, again, surprises are no fun. You know, no, you know, you get that claim where it's like, Hey, I thought, I, you know, what am I paying for? If, if this isn't covered, what am I, you know? So if an insurance agent doesn't specialize in a niche, you know, the craft beverage niche, they don't know what coverages are available. They may not have access to those insurance companies either. And they don't know what they don't know. And if they don't ask for the coverage an underwriter's not just going to hand it over and say, here, here's all the things you need. Right. Um, kind of unfortunately, I guess, but you know, you don't know what you don't know. The agent doesn't know what they don't know. And the insurance company is not going to say, here's a silver platter. Here's everything you need. Um, you're good to go. So uh, sometimes the underwriters, I have to educate them. Um, sometimes they refer to, you know, like it's a distillery and they're like, Oh, they're making beer. I'm like, no, it's different. It's different, you know, uh, different equipment, different, you know, things. One's got bubbles, you know? <laughs> um, so it's just different. Uh, again, you don't know what you don't know. Knowledge is power. And um, don't just assume that every claim is covered. And again, everything usually comes back to the proximate cause, what happened and why. And then we formulate, you know, say you had a lot of claims. Well, we like to sit with the management team, formulate this narrative when we're taking your policy out to the marketplace going, here's all the things that this team does great. Um, here are the claims they've had. Here's what they've done to mitigate those and stop those from happening. Here's the building they're in. They got fire, burglar, sprinkler, and cameras. Um, you know, sprinkler system was just updated, this and that. So it's it's a story. It's a relationship. Um, you know, my relationship with my clients is as important as my relationship with my underwriters and the insurance companies. Um, it comes full circle, uh, especially when you need a favor or something like that. Um, you know, be be kind to everybody and, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. There you go. And communicate, right? I think it's the yeah. proactive communication. And that's kind of why I wanted to do this now, mid-September. You know, people have time provided they have a genuine renewal or thereabouts. But, you know, now's the time to make those phone calls, check in with your agent. Yeah. If you're not comfortable, if you're not sure, you know, give you a call, right? You can yeah. review and see what, what looks good or what. And I'll even, you know, I can like, so that's, you know, the, the podcast that I do is kind of, you know, it's a craft beverage business and leadership library, right? So, you have a question on a topic, we probably covered it. I can say, hey, listen to episode 107, right? Boom, it's there. You'll get some answers. Um, so that's kind of what I've tried to create. And I'm always happy to answer questions. I don't have to be your insurance agent to ask you to answer your questions. I don't have billable hours, unfortunately. Um, 
but yeah, I'm here for the industry and I'm here for another 30 years and I'm passionate about it and I'm always happy to help. This man is around for another 30 years. He's your 30 guy. years, maybe, maybe longer. <laughs> I don't know. I plan on living about 120. So there you go. So let's, if people do want to get in touch with you, learn a little bit more, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So I own, you know, a number of websites, but craftbrewinginsurance.com, I think is kind of the most repeatable, memorable craftbrewinginsurance.com. Um, you can go craftdistillinginsurance.com. They all point to the same place or craftbvgins.com, like whatever you want, right? They're out there. So craftbrewinginsurance.com, craftdistillinginsurance.com. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me. And then um, Instagram is, is my jam. Um, I'm always posting on there. There's always fun stuff on there. And you can find me at Beer Mighty Things Podcast. Awesome. It's great stuff, Kyle. There's always a lot of nice takeaways for folks to get proactive with their insurance. Hopefully reduce some costs, definitely mitigate those risks. So Kyle, as always, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. right that'll do it for today's episode appreciate you tuning in i hope you learned something i hope you really enjoyed it and if so tell a friend leave that five-star rating i mentioned earlier and comment on apple podcasts subscribe on any platform spread it around the world let's make it happen i appreciate y'all cheers and beer mighty things